0: Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to The Passing Shot, your tennis catch-up podcast. On this week's pod, Basilashvili and Ramos Vinolas rule the European clay, whilst John Isner remains the king of the North American grass. Angelique Kerber and Alex Verov are both looking for some new coaches brothers andy and jamie murray announced their doubles pairing for washington
2: and bernard tomich is still trying to get back his prize money from wimbledon
1: everyone joel here from the passing shot the wandering Wildcard, here to recap with you the last two weeks on the tennis tour and as always i'm joined by the self-confessed queen of clay kim kim uh as i said we've just had like a well i feel like we could have had a breather from wimbledon but we've got like 10 million tournaments to kind of recap over the last couple of weeks
2: Yeah, true. The tennis world never stops moving. And I don't know, players have dispersed all across the globe. And yeah, we are here to catch up on the last two weeks of the ATP and WTA tours. I feel like it's kind of the dog days of summer as well. It's just everyone's a bit weary and fatigued. Um, And I even myself, I haven't really followed it as closely as, as I was sort of, you know, in that sort of Roland Garros and Wimbledon sort of six-week period where it's all go, go, go. So it's it's a bit calmer at the moment, isn't it? But there's
1: still plenty that's happened on the court to talk about. There has been. And it, I think it's, you know, it is a time of year where I think it's a bit kind of like, you know, the bigger names aren't necessarily playing and it's an opportunity for, you know, players who, you know, might not necessarily kind of reach you know the top of the rankings or whatever but it's like their opportunity to shine and it's their opportunity you know to win to win a first title and actually over the last couple of weeks i think that's kind of been one of the uh you know one of the themes in terms of you know who who has been winning um but as you said we're going to be recapping all of the last kind of 10 i think 10 or so tournaments in europe uh america across the grass and the clay and the hard courts. Um, and I think we're gonna start in um we're gonna start in Hamburg. We where are. we are. And uh we had Nikolaj Basilashvili who I don't you know, he hasn't had the greatest uh of seasons, but um he seems to love playing Hamburg because he won the tournament last year as a qualifier and he's just gone and made it back to back titles. Uh he beat he beat Andre Rublev in the final 7-5 4-6 6-3 and yeah he um he beat Zverev as well in, in the semis so he had a he's had some very he's had some excellent wins i think in that that Zverev match actually he was he was 2-5 down um in the tiebreak um in the final set it was match points down and yeah he just loves loves playing hamburg
2: yeah and before this week um he actually had a losing record overall so obviously feels at home um, in Hamburg and <laughs> the the odd thing is though because last season he won that tournament as a qualifier because he was ranked I think like in the 80s so by winning it this year he's actually lost 20 points um, so it's not going to help you know him in the rankings obviously he doesn't really care I suppose that much he's won the title again and defended it but it's a bit strange the way that the points work out because when you qualify for a tournament obviously you get I guess more points and then you know, he went on to win it, so a bit bizarre, but that's tennis and the points and scoring for you. It is quite bizarre just generally. Um and I, I guess feel like it,
1: I feel like it's just as bizarre as the trophy. Yeah, I was
2: just about to say it's so <laughs> that's odd. Not really
1: received. It's um, very
2: modern contemporary sort of art design, um, on the trophy. Very bright yellow. Um and he didn't look very happy. <laughs> he never seems to Give much, does he, like Basilashvili? I always no, feel like there's think... more to him that I want to get to know. You know, we need to get <laughs> something more from him.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I actually saw on Twitter a uh, player, um, No Rubin, actually called him out on this in, in, a, in a tweet and said, you know, nothing against you, great tennis player and good guy, but I'm just curious, what will it take Niklas Basilashvili to smile? A Masters event, Grand Slam, a puppy?
2: Maybe. Obviously, well, yeah, I was going to say maybe all of the bagels that Rafa's dished him out in the past have uh, haunted <laughs> him. I know that whenever we've mentioned Basilashvili before, it's always because he's getting pummeled by Rafa on the clay. So, I mean, well done to him for defending his title. And yeah, I think the Hamburg Trophy, is it correct that they designed it based on the lines of the previous year's championship point ball trajectory? Because that's quite insane. I mean, who comes up with that?
1: Uh, I, who knows? And and also, like, what happens if that like point was like completely unremarkable? Like, what happens if it was an ace? <laughs> an ace would just be a yellow. Would it just be a Straight line? line? Or, or, yeah. Or, or what happens? A what happens line? if it was a retirement? What happens if it was a retirement? It's like well, I, I, feel I suppose, like it, but
2: there would still be a last point, I guess, off the match that they played. But I guess it's quite fitting then that he therefore won the trophy again. But then I wonder what. The championship point from this year. I guess they'll be designing the trophy based on that, will they? I don't. I don't know. Maybe he can have some input into the design, and he'll try and make it three in a row for next season.
1: <laughs> well, hang on. Maybe in the next next final, players are going to try and make like a really insane final point just to make it a bit yeah. try, try and make it as challenging as possible for the the title designers. But yeah, um, I know. Yeah. But we also we also had. Um, Alex Verev, I think was number one seed in the mm. tournament. I think Kim you may recall he he likes to talk about his house at this tournament. He, he kind of says like "This is my house um when he's made some like kind of epic comebacks in the past and um I think he he had a couple of um really kind of close matches that he he came through and again, there was kind of talk of the house um but kind of the biggest news to come out from from his from his camp was that him and Ivan Lendl, are no more. Mm.
2: Yeah, they've split up. And with effective, uh, well, with immediate effect, I should say, uh, Lendl has stopped working with Sasha Zverev. I mean, it's not a surprise, I guess, because his results and his form just have not really been there. I mean, I think there's other issues going on. His his agent, you know, he's having a lot of issues off the court with his his agent and i guess just as well you know the pressure and the expectation that's been lumped on him and yeah uh, i mean well it,
1: he i think i would say you know comfortably kind of you know this time last year he was kind of like the you know he was the poster boy he was a pin up of the next generation um of 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 tennis players but i feel like almost this season the the gap between him and you know the chasing pack has has shrunk And, you know, he's almost now talked about in the same conversation as, you know, players like, you know, Sitsipas, for example. Whereas, you know, I feel like before, you know, it was almost like he was in a conversation of his own.
2: Yeah, but I guess that's just also because, you know, Sitsipas hadn't quite emerged just yet. I think they're definitely, yeah, in the same conversation now. But I I feel like Zverev is almost going to fall into a Grigor Dimitrov category of of never (laughs) achieving what people expected him to and I, I don't know, right now, I, I feel like Zverev's career is going to go in the same way as as Dimitrov's, unless something changes. Ooh. So I guess stopping working with Lendl is, you know, it could be good if he gets a different coach. Maybe he'll gel better with with, with a new coach. And so, if something's got to change. Something's got to give. Um, mm. So perhaps this is the way forward. But we'll see. We'll see. Um I mean, it all seemed to be going quite swimmingly when he won the World Tour Finals at the end of last year, but you know that showed us what he is capable of. But from here, you know, back to then, it's 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 all changed really. So we'll see. We'll we'll be looking out for any announcements from the Zverev camp about any future coaching relationships. I mean, is there anyone you would particularly look to, you know, that you think would be a good fit with with Zverev? I mean. It's, well, it's I
1: don't. Tough. Yeah, I don't know if he would hire like another sort of like super coach. Um, I think he needs, you know, he needs someone who's gonna kind of, I think, be more committed to kind of traveling and kind of moving with the tour because I, I just don't think kind of Lendl was prepared to kind of, you know, give as much as I think you know Zverev needed. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure kind of if there are, I feel that even if there are any names out there of, of people who, um, you know, are being touted as various next coach. But I'm sure that will become I'm sure he'll won an appointment before before the US Open.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, talking of the US Open, uh, we'll go over to Atlanta now, shall we? For the uh, well, one of the first, I guess, in the US Open series. Um, well, we've had, well, some, well, the the final hasn't actually happened as we speak. So we've got Taylor Fritz battling out with Alex de Menor to come later on uh, this evening. Um, but that'll be an exciting match because whoever wins that will be getting their second title of the season. And, you know, they're both up and coming young, young players. So
1: I think that's yeah, quite they're a to be They're going to be both hungry, you know, as you said, both kind of up and coming players, I think they're both kind of you know stars of of the game have have their you know breakout seasons this season and yeah they've come through both um, you know three setters in in their finals. De Menor overcame Riley Opelka. Uh, I think the thing that surprised me most about that match was there was a break of serve um, in yeah. that fi- <laughs> in the final. Well set. done,
2: Alex De Menor. You did <laughs> what think, most people can't do.
1: <laughs> I li- I think. It was the first time he uh, Opelka had got broken in like forty odd um, service He's <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> not exactly. even half
2: that age, is he? <laughs> um, uh.
1: So um so he obviously did well to kind of crack the the Opelca serve where you know other players had fallen like uh, John Is like John Isner. Um and yeah, Taylor Fritz came through uh Cameron Norrie who had a... a you know, a very decent week. I think getting to the getting to the semi-finals, but Fritz came through in a kind of a topsy-turvy match where he started out really quickly, super aggressive, won the first set six-one, lost the second set three-six, and then rediscovered his form uh, to win the, the third set six-three. So, um, yeah, so I'll be interested to see how that goes. Who who, do, who are you backing there, Kim? Fritz or, or Demenor? Men- De
2: I'm going to go for Taylor Fritz, actually. You know, he's on home soil, and also he won. He won Eastbourne just last month. So I feel like he's probably got a bit more oomph behind him. Um, yeah, I'm going to go for Taylor Fritz. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was very nice to see Cam Norrie getting to the semis. And obviously Dan Evans reached the quarters as well. So a good tournament for Brit, from a British perspective. Um, but yeah, and, and I, I think both all... of those, I mean, just going back to, you know, the the Zverev talk, you know, both of these guys, Taylor Fritz and Alex de Minor, they're also within that kind of next gen, but perhaps, you know, they, they're they not getting talked about, are they? Because Sitsipas has sort of come along and all the talks and the hype is sort of Zverev and Sitsipas. But for all we know, Alex de Menor could win a slam before Sitsipas. I mean, it's strange things have happened. I mean, I don't know, but <laughs> it's, um, they, you know, they're, they're both exciting young prospects. So...
1: Uh, totally, and and also we also have a we also had a match at the tournament for all those serving enthusiasts. I know Kim, you're you're one of them. John Isner, <laughs> Riley Opelka, that is a rivalry that I feel like is very marmite. Some people probably well, some people probably watching their match. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's a love love it or hate it sort of scenario. But yeah, I I genuinely I don't even think I have found anyone who who loves that sort of like serve 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 um you maybe know maybe like a serve of the tie break.
2: a serve analyst loves it because they're just looking at <laughs> you know the technique or how to just bash down a zillion aces yeah. um yeah so in they played 10 sets this year and all 10 sets have ended in tiebreakers <laughs> um and they've hit more than 230 aces in those matches um, only one break of serve a piece so it's just <laughs> such a funny um I mean yeah it's just for me I'm, I'm not interested by a Isner versus a Pelka but you know and that those are the guys that the fifth set fine you know 12 or tie break was kind of brought <laughs> in to uh prevent you know Wimbledon um but yeah we, we we had the pleasure of seeing that in Atlanta this week, and who knows we might have that again on the on the u s open hard courts this this summer, so also we had gestard um happening over in was that in Switzerland? I should know this, yeah, it's Switzerland. I always get this mixed up with Bastad because um they have similar names. I don't know. <laughs> Bastard is in like, Sweden, but Gustard is in Sweden. They're at the similar
1: times as well. Exactly. It, it very was confusing. Like,
2: Gustard, Bastard, Bastard. Um, probably saying both of them wrong. But yeah, we had Albert Ramos-Vinolas, who won his second ATP title um, against a name that most people would not be too familiar with. And that is Cedric Marcel Stieb, um who reached the final. So it's a, a German who's, I think ranked 455 in the world um he's the lowest ranked player to qualify for an atp final since raymond sluter back in 2009 who at the time was 866 in the world so pretty crazy um but yeah great week for cedric marcel steve but he just couldn't you know, ran out of gas totally and couldn't couldn't quite do it on the final against, you know, Albert Ramos, who is
1: obviously yeah. the more experienced, higher ranked player. I I don't think it helped that um, the tournament was affected by rain. I mm. think S- Steve had to play two matches in one day on the Saturday, including a, a tough three setter against Zhao um, um So uh, I, I can't imagine he was kind of he probably wasn't 100% going into that final but uh yeah Ramos-Vinolas came out um as the victor. Yeah.
2: Um and yeah it's not ideal to play two matches in one day, is it?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's not exactly uh what you want to do. So yeah, but I mean we'll see if he uh appears on the ATP circuit again in the near future and uh, another name to look out for perhaps. And then we had a few women's tournaments happening this week um as we're recording this guys actually that's it's still ongoing so in we have had a tournament out in latvia the jamala tournament um, we were both looking at this thinking where is jamala because i hadn't i've never heard of this place um i my first thought was that it was out in like indonesia but no it's slightly closer to home on the baltic sea um and it's i think it's a new tournament as well it's the first ever baltic open And we currently have a final going on between top seed and the home favorite, Anastasia Sevastova. And uh, another name that no one's really ever heard of. And I really don't know how to say this, Joel. I apologize to any Polish (laughs) listeners who are probably going to cringe at this. Um, But Katarzyna Kawa, um, they're playing in the final. I'm just going to check the live scores, actually, because I think Kawa was a set and a break up when we last checked. So let's just have a quick look. Nope. So Sebastian has taken the second set, 7-5, and is now a breakup in the third set. So that could be going on for a while yet. But yeah, this Katarzyna Kawa, she has never before contested a final above the 25K level on the ITF World, you know, tennis tour. And yet she's qualified this week at, you know, the WTA event and has not, well, and she's played six matches, didn't drop a set in four of them. So she's kind of having a dream... Sort of fairy tale run at the moment, and she's still battling it out to maybe go all the way.
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. And I, I think. Well, I still feel Savasov is going to put that Cinderella story uh, to the to the cleaners. I think she's she's not going to care for that. I think Savasov will come through that breakup final set. You'd you'd back her in front of her home fans, but who knows? Yeah, maybe it'll, maybe it'll yeah, be I, I a. So. But maybe it'll be a Kiki Burton's Allison Risk scenario. I don't know
2: what a bagel first set and five match points being saved
1: (laughs) or bottling it in front of your own fans oh i see uh... yeah
2: well indeed but i mean that's quite it's quite nice that's what you know what we were saying earlier it's nice to see these players coming through um new names fresh blood coming onto the circuit and you know this is a new tournament as well and i think it's great that for latvian tennis you know they've got quite a few players haven't they top players like sevastova ostepenko um, I think there's a few others, but I can't think of them right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> apologies, Latvian tennis fans. But yeah, I mean, hey, uh, I'm not actually sure what part of, if it's, you know, Jamal or if, if that's sort of uh, quite a good, you know, sort of part of Latvia to go to combine, you know, this tournament with a bit of Baltic travel. But if anyone, you know, knows much about the Baltics, let us know. But yeah, um, that's going on as we speak. And we've also got another ladies final in Palermo, that's taking place at a funny time at 7.30 p.m. this evening. So um, it's a bit bit strange. Um, I think it's one all in the first set as we speak. <laughs> They've just literally started. And that's against, uh, well, sorry, that's Kiki Burtons against Jill Teichman. So you would imagine that top seed Kiki Burtons is going to, uh, to win that one. It'll be her third title of the season if she does so. Um, she actually beat, um, you know, Paula Badosa, sort of a, the up and coming, kind of emergent Spanish player. Spanish player. Yeah, she did well at the French Open, didn't she? She got to the fourth round, I think. Um, so yeah, Kiki Bursons came through against her in the semi-finals, and um, yeah, she'll be playing number eight seed Jill Tietjen in the final, as first time they've played. And Jill Tietjen is another name. She won a title earlier in the season, sort of out of nowhere. And uh, she came through quite easily in the semi against Ludmilla Samsonova or Samsonova, maybe I should say, um, who herself was a lucky loser. So again, some some names coming through. I mean, I would expect Kiki Bertens to win that. But, you know, I, I personally haven't seen Jill Tightman play. She's a player I, I need to check out at the next <laughs> at the next slam I go to, perhaps uh, if uh, if one has time to do so.
1: And uh, yeah, so that's kind of all the ma- all the tournaments going on from this uh, this week. Uh, we also had some tournaments last week as well. Um, and on the men's side, we had Bastad, um, where Nicolas Yari was able to exact revenge on uh, Juan Ignacio Londero for his debut title.
2: Yes. Uh, Londero. You may remember
1: <laughs> Kim, you may remember the golden the golden swing. Oh, uh yes. Londero and Yari um had a final in Cordoba in Argentina um earlier in the season and um Londero came through that. But uh, as I said, Yari was able to get his revenge and defeat Londero seven six um six four um and he now reaches a career high of um thirty eight. Um, so pretty impressive showing um i think yari again is one of those players he's had like a almost like a breakout season mm. this season yeah. and this is just kind of a you know this just kind of shows you where you know where he's at i don't think he dropped a set um you know en route to the you know to the final and 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 well to the trophy um a, a player you just don't want to play on a on a clay court um having said that he did Play Zverev in the first round of Hamburg, and I was looking at that with a lot of other people thinking Zverev Zverev could uh, could lose. be upset <laughs> here. Yeah, basically, um, but uh, but it didn't happen. It didn't happen. But um, certainly, he Yari is a very difficult prospect on a on a clay court.
2: Also, he's he's Chilean, isn't he? So him and Christian Garin, both Chilean players, sort of coming coming up through the ranks this season which is great. I mean, they must be the first sort of real Chilean prospect since Fernando Gonzalez, um, <laughs> if I'm right in thinking. And Nicolas,
1: yeah. And, and Nicolas Masu.
2: Yeah. And Nicolas Masu. Yeah. Um, one thing, though, um, is it actually Nicolas Yari or is it more like sort of Jerry? Because oh. I, I just look at that name and I just want to say Jerry and But I know in Spanish it's like a... The J should be like a sort of... Oh, I could ha. be wrong
1: that I could but be wrong there. it's Kim. South
2: American and they've got different pronunciations. So <laughs> I, I don't know if it's Jari or Hari or I, I don't know. So if anyone knows, please tell us because we're just kind of winging that particular pronunciation. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really good um, to see, you know, all his efforts come to fruition
1: for his first ATP title in Bashdad and speaking of uh maiden titles we also had one in umag as well with dusan lavich um who uh won yeah who won the croatian open he beat uh, the qualifier atila balash seven five seven five in the final who was who was kind of having his own sort of cinderella um cinderella campaign uh, i think he was kind of like the first qualifier um, he was aiming to be the first qualified to capture the title, this a a title this season. But I think rather crazily, he retired from the sport like five years ago, and is yeah, kind kind of just on his way back, um, almost doing a little bit of an, a, an Ash Barty kind of going away from the sport, then coming back and doing doing really well for himself. But um, yeah, he kind of got pipped at the final hurdle by Lejevitch, who. Yeah, as the fourth seed, kind of yeah, claimed his his maiden title, and mm. I think you remember leovic had that really good. Um, he had that really good uh, run of form in Monte Carlo. So again, he's kind of a good, solid clay court player, and you know, on his days, probably quite, a ha- probably quite a handful. Mm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, that's also crazy about Balash, you know, retiring and then coming back and getting to his first tour level final. So. I mean, you know, an inspiring story. Um and we'll see him hopefully again in future tournaments. But yeah, lots of new names again. <laughs> but um a not so new name won Newport, didn't they? Um as as we mentioned him earlier, a big server John Isner kind of lived up to his top seed. And uh well, I mean, I guess he was the overwhelming favourite to win the Newport title. It's out on grass in the States. He's won it three times before. And he uh, he won against the Kazakh Alexander Bublik, who is actually a name I, I keep hearing quite lately, sort of coming up, and I keep seeing the name um, Isner. Yeah, he's very good at this tournament. He got his fourth title at the Hall of Fame Open, and uh, he, that actually was his second tournament back from when he broke his foot, which he got uh, back in the Miami open so I, I didn't realize actually that it was a broken foot that he had I mean I knew he'd been out of the game for a while but I wasn't sure that he'd actually broken his foot but um yeah so he he's won Newport but interestingly he said that he's gonna I think do the US Open series and the US Open Labour Cup and then call it quits for for this season and and just uh and skip the the Asian swing and the European indoor season
1: yeah, I wonder if um I think he's a recently uh, first-time father and I wonder if that kind of may- was kind of taken into consideration, you know, for his decision making, didn't want to go, you know, too far from home, so, you know, maybe that kind of yeah factored into his um factored into his thinking. Um one thing I did find quite interesting was that Yes, John Isner loves new, playing Newport. I think he's now kind of 23-5 and, and five at the tournament. Um, but in terms of his titles, he has more titles than Kei Nishikuri. <laughs> um, wow. But, it, but but if you look at the breakdown, um, he's got 15 titles. Uh, Nishikuri's got 12. Um, but of those 15 titles, 14 of them are 250 level. He obviously had that... Um, he won the uh he won a master uh he he has won a masters, but um uh, yeah, I kind of thought it was quite interesting in that yeah, he obviously does he thrives at this sort of level. Um but on you know, on the tour, you know, outside of Grand Sam's, I guess outside of Wimbledon mainly, um, it doesn't he doesn't really kind of you know, for a player who's like in, you know, top ten, top twenty or whatever, doesn't really get, you know, that far in like 500s and and Masters, you know, and Masters events.
2: Yeah. And you think with his serve, you know, and I mean, isn't, you know, isn't just a serve, you know, he has got a fairly good game, you know, a bit more overall. Obviously that's why he's managed to win 15 titles. But yeah, I mean, he, he, apart from Wimbledon, yeah, he has not really gotten that deep at at any of the slams. Um, But yeah, he's, he's a solid player and he's certainly sort of, you know, asserted himself on the tour as you know, quite a notable, well-known figure. So, um, and it's I think he's obviously being probably quite sensible, finishing his season quite early. Um, if he doesn't need to play, doesn't want to play, that's that's fine. And you know, it's probably better for his foot as well if, if there's anything still ongoing with that. Um, interestingly, though, Joel, I think you're quite like this. Apparently, Alexander Bublik served underarm when he was championship point down. Um, so I'm assuming that didn't go entirely to plan because he still obviously lost the match. But um, yeah, any underhand, underarm serve <laughs> fans out there?
1: I, that just for my of that one. I I would love to. I wish that had happened at Hamburg. I would love to like would that factor in to like a you know the tournament title design oh. <laughs> uh, and like an underarm serve I would love to
2: oh yeah I would
1: love to see that but okay. that would be
2: an interesting trophy uh, but yeah so John Isner on Newport Newport grass um, doing what he does best I suppose um, let's just quickly round up we had two uh, WTA tournaments last week as well again some more maiden titles flying around so we had a tournament out in Bucharest where we had uh, Elena Rybakina, Rybakina <laughs> um, winning that title. She beat Patricia Maria Tig 6-6 love in just over an hour in the final. So Rybakina, she's, I think, Kazakhs, from Kazakhstan. She has become the 10th maiden WTA Tour champion of the year. And she didn't drop a single set on her way to the title. So, um you know, she's another young person. She's only 20. She's up to 65 in the world. So, um, yeah, maybe another, you know, kind of promising name, but I mean, her opponent in the final, when I looked at her name on, on my, you know, live scores app, I looked at, you know, her ranking because I had not seen her, her name appear before. And it said she was ranked like 9,999 in the world. And I was like, hang on that. That's not a thing um but she's basically completely unranked because she's had a long time off and out of the game with injuries and giving birth to her daughter so she was given a wild card into her first WTA event in basically 2 years and yeah she got through to the final so she's kind of come back with a bit of a bang and yeah we also had out in Lausanne Fiona Ferro was the uh, winner of of that title she beat Elise Cornet in the final uh 612661 um to win her first tour title um and actually interestingly perhaps the most interesting thing to come out of the tournament was that was the first f- all french wta singles tour final since 2009 which is it's kind of mad because they the french players you know there's a lot of french female players but um yeah Fiona Ferro she's sort of a name that i saw quite a lot of in like the qualifying events for like eastbourne and a lot of the grass tournaments so she's backed up you know her kind of uh rising form with a with a victory over Cornet out in lausanne i should say um so yeah that kind of rounds up you know the, the sort of plethora of tournaments that we've had post wimbledon in this kind of slightly odd time of the season um Let's move on to Brits on Tour, where we've already kind of mentioned the main points, I suppose, which would be Atlanta with uh, Cam Norrie making the semis and Dan Evans making the quarters.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think we've also got a uh, doubles interest, uh, Don Minglot's in the doubles final as well with um, Austin Krycek. But I think the biggest news from a British perspective is Andy Murray and Jamie Murray are going to be playing Washington next week. Um, annoyingly, there's just been, I swear they've been getting rubbish draws. Like every, every tournament Murray has played a uh, doubles in since his comeback. I feel like he's just been getting like really hard draws and Washington is no different. Um, it's, they're they're going to come up against Mahu and um, uh, Roger uh, Vassalan which I feel like is going be...
2: finalists yeah. yeah but would they Andy and Jamie must be seeded right because obviously Jamie would be would be you know he's one of the top doubles players but so that's interesting that they or maybe they're not seeded I don't know but I mean yeah okay yeah it's, it's a tough draw but hey Andy did win Queen, so he um has already had some success but yeah that's nice that they'll be playing together um also just a note on Dan Evans in, out in Atlanta. He um got his revenge against Radu Albot who was um the player that beat him in the final of Delray Beach earlier in the season. So um that was nice to see him kind of triumph over over Radu Albot and then he eventually lost to Riley Apelka um in in three sets. So um but also interestingly, we had some tennis actually happening on home shores this week. So up in Nottingham we had the British Open wheelchair tournament. Um I mean in terms of Brits we didn't actually have any winners unfortunately, but we did have um Alfie Hewitt and Gordon Reed getting to the final of the of the men's doubles. Uh they lost to Shingo Kaneda and Gustavo Fernandez. But um and Andy Lapthorne lost in the final of the quad wheelchairs to to Niels Vink of, of the Netherlands. Um, and our favourites, Joel, <laughs> De Groot and Van Cout, Um they won the women's doubles, hurrah, um, but in the singles, De Groot won, but Van Koot lost in the semis, so we didn't have a De Groot versus Van Cout. Um much to our... Gutted, you know.
1: totally gutted. <laughs>
2: And Shingo Kaneda on the men's single, so um, yeah, it was great. If anyone you know went to actually see that live, I think it's been on like the Red Button or BBC Sport online. So um, it's been quite good to sort of see a bit of that up in Nottingham. And I think now it's time for scoreboard stories, Joel. What yes, do you have Kim. for me this week? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I have been delving into the ITF tour once again to find some. Hilarious, entertaining um, score lines that, that may surprise you, Kim. Um, the first one is from the M15 event in Cancun, Mexico. Um, Semi final between Gage Breimer and Jean Tirouan of France. Um, the score. Um, so Tiroan came out uh, as a victor. Three six seven six seven six. It took four hours thirty three minutes to complete, and um, it was it was. I think it was scheduled on like at, at nine a.m. on the, on the day, and there was a doubles match afterwards. On on the draw sheet, um, it said uh, not before one thirty. So I, I kind of like the fact that that match took so long that actually it. <laughs> the um it delayed the it delayed the doubles before um before that's mad, it was though. Meant four to and stop.
2: a half hours for a simple three set match i mean I know there was two tie breaks, but they must have been having so many juice you know oh yeah, big juice time. games i mean that's. <laughs>
1: Juices, toilet that breaks, is insane. Uh, Injury timeouts, timeouts. Yeah, I'm sure there was ups,
2: maybe. I, I mean, I don't know. Wow, <laughs>
1: uh, spectators, spectators taken Full ill. Ill yeah, ad-
2: I mean, I don't know if how many spectators there would be at M15 event <laughs> in Cancun. Um, but hey, Gage Brimer and Jean Tiroin have made it onto what our school board stories Hall of <laughs> yeah. Fame. Or so. maybe that could be a new award. Um, <laughs>
1: Yes. Madness. And then on the complete other end of the spectrum, um in the Washington women's qualifiers, uh the match between Sasha Vickery and Naomi Brody, Vickery won six love, six love. And I I don't normally like to kind of call out terrible performances by Brits, but Naomi Brody won nine points in that match. Um and I think I think I've read somewhere that she effectively lost. She eff- effectively gave up an invisible golden set of 24 points in a row. Um, so uh, not something, not something you see every day. And uh, well, I, well, I, I mean, well, yeah, I, I
2: think Brody bit...
1: is much better than that. Yeah. And, um, definitely. I was very, I was very surprised by that. Um, but yeah, not, not the great, not very uh, yeah, not the greatest day for uh for Naomi Brody. Um and then finally um an interesting one. Um so Alison Van Uttvanck girlfriend is Greet Minnen. And I think they played with each other at Wimbledon. Well, lo and behold, next week they will be facing off against each other. Ooh in uh in Germany at a hundred and twenty-five K event. Um, so I don't know if that's happened before but I feel like that's quite a that's quite a cool thing s- same sex face off <laughs> uh, same same sex relationship face off yeah and I mean Alison van
2: Uttvenk is basically sort of almost has you know she's 66 in the world Gretman is 122 in the world so she's sort of like her ranking is you know half that of of and so I would expect her to win but um Yeah, I know they've played doubles together, but have there been any other sort of same-sex couples playing against each other in the women's game? I mean, it's only the women's game that we actually have any sort of openly gay players, isn't it? Because in the men's, there's just, you know, there obviously are gay players, but we don't know who they are. No one's really come out. So, um, yeah, I don't know if there's been any others.
1: We've had, I think, Tara Moore... And Connie Perrin faced off against each other back in uh twenty seventeen. Um and I think they were in a relationship at the time. I'm not sure they might already still be in a relationship, I don't know. But um I, I read on um yeah, social media that that is a kind of another another example, but um yeah, I just thought it was kind of a bit of a, a cool matchup. I don't know how each other each each of them are, are feeling whether uh, it's going to be like an awkward dinner conversation, like at, at the uh, <laughs> no underarm serving. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, that's your lot for uh, school board stories uh, this week. So let's move on to the wild card, and um, yeah, I think the kind of the, one of the biggest stories off the, the tennis court has been around, yeah, Bernard Tomich and his Wimbledon prize money. You right remember? He was given a $56,000 fine, which was his entire first round prize money um, in his loss to uh, Songa. And um, he basically appealed it and it's come out in the last kind of, couple of weeks or so that um, his, his appeal was denied and um, he's not going to get... Uh, I don't think he gets any of that money back.
2: Well, well, it didn't help that he retired midway through his match in... Um... Where was he playing? Atlanta. He In retired Atlanta. after a set and three love. Um, I'm not sure what reason he gave, but doesn't help his case, perhaps. Although maybe you could say when he is injured, he just retires. So by, you know, actually completing that match of Song and playing three, four sets, yep. <laughs> that's, you know, he was actually fine. He was really trying, you know, because <laughs> he actually carried on. I don't know. Um but interestingly there was another case, wasn't there, after the French open with Anna tatishvili she got fined her entire first round prize money when she lost six one six love to Maria Sakari. Um she's now had her fine entirely sort of retracted because after looking at it again, the, you know, officials decided that actually she was competing professionally from the first to the very last point. Um I know with I, her, she was coming back from, was it surgery? So it was one of her first matches back. Yeah. And there was a lot of people saying, yeah, actually, I think this is really unfair that they sort of decided she wasn't giving
1: enough effort. I, I don't know what's better, Kim, if I'm being honest. Like, that's basically saying, oh, you tried your best. We acknowledge that now, but you still lost 6-love, six 6-1. Six yeah. Or like I feel like that's a bit like uh, you're just really
2: you
1: know. bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like all this effort, and yet you still can only win one game. Whereas, well, like, you know, yeah,
2: I mean, I'm sure she'd rather have the fifty-two thousand dollars. Oh,
1: <laughs> yeah, def- definitely. <laughs> Didn't she set up her own petition or something about to uh, what to one of are those um, online? You yeah, know, take it to so.
2: Parliament. <laughs> I think so. A something case like adventures.
1: that. I could be completely wrong, but uh, <laughs> yeah, some contrasting fortunes there, and I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, we'll kind of see more of that. And who knows? Maybe come the U.S. Open, I'll. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be a tobic watch at the U.S. Open if he's in the main draw. Uh, in terms of uh, what his you know what what he gets up to, but um, yeah, some contrasting fortunes there in terms of prize money. Um, going on to the coaching front, um, we talked earlier a little bit about Zverev and Lendl parting ways, but also another top player, Angelique Kerber, has parted ways uh, with her coach, Rainer Schuttler um and she basically has decided uh kerber decided you know it's it's time for a fresh start you know i don't you know she didn't have a great wimbledon i think we were all kind of expecting big things from her mm, and she yeah. was kind of binned out in the, in the second round um so such you know, a lovely first... way of
2: putting it binned out in <laughs> binned the second out. round <laughs> i mean first
1: i mean first round at the french open as well yeah. um she's out of the top 10 it, it kind of was you know there were you know almost like kind of writing was on the wall but um, again yeah she's kind of in the, the same boat now as, as Alex Zverev and will, become, will probably be looking for a, a new coach in time for the the US Open
2: maybe Lendl can go to her and Schutler can go to Zverev they'll just do a, a swap coach swap see what happens Um yeah and the well the last kind of thing we will be touching on is Coco Goff is is back. She's uh she's back playing you know, she can't play an awful lot of tournaments because of the WTA sort of age eligibility rules. But she is playing Washington, so she's um in the qualifying for Washington at the moment. She's one match away from reaching the main draw. So she's had to kind of pick, hasn't she? Um she's got I think she's playing she's only allowed to play ten events under this rule. Um, across the year and she's only i think got another few yeah she's played seven she's already played
1: seven yeah so
2: she's got only a couple um fortunately though she can play the us open because it's Slams are separate to this so um she i believe has already been given a wild card i mean she obviously will get one so I, yeah. I feel
1: like they've announced it early to yes. boost ticket sales, essentially. I, yeah,
2: I guess so. <laughs> I mean, everyone would probably definitely want to see her. I, she'll probably be on a, on a show court um, in her first round. So, yeah, we'll see what she does at Washington, if she can qualify, you know, how far she can get. Will, will the dream sort of continue? <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, that's kind of it for today. And we'll be back, I think, next week because, again, there's an awful lot of tournaments coming up. To review, um, you know, out in out in Washington and, and there's Los Cabos, Kitzbühel, San Jose, Karlsruhe. So a good handful of tournaments. And then I think we'll also be previewing the um, Rogers Cup. That will be kind of kicking off in Canada the week after.
1: And Kim, I know you're going to be looking forward to the Rogers Cup because I think that Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer have already pulled out. So... It could be a chance for Nadal to uh add another master's trophy to his cabinet. But uh yes, we will be previewing that as well as kind of catching up on the pre on next week's tournaments. See how Andy Murray gets on, of course, in Washington. So we hope you can join us then. Uh remember to um follow us on our social media channels um at passing shot pod on Twitter. Facebook, and Instagram. If you are, if you enjoy listening to the show, actually, it'd be really helpful if you could rate us um, and leave us a comment On uh, if you're listening on iTunes. If you just go to our page and scroll down to the bottom, you can leave a little review. That will kind of really help us out um, if you want to give us a, a good rating and uh, yeah, leave us a, a comment just to kind of show you're appreciating. That would really, really help us out. But um, yeah, we'll be back next time um, in a week or so. And I hope you can join us then. But for now, thanks for listening and goodbye.
2: Thanks for taking the time to listen to our show. We're supported by every one of our fans in the Passing Shot community. If you want to become one of them and get the latest updates from your tennis catch-up service, then all you need to do is follow us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook at PassingShotPod. And if you like what you hear, then why not tell your friends or leave us a rating and subscribe. Thanks for listening.